Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to toss it over to our special guest today. Can you, in a few sentences, tell us who you are and what is it that you do? Absolutely. I am Natasha Nurse. I'm a coach. I'm a speaker. I'm a content creator. Essentially, I've had a really interesting career. I started my career wanting to be a vet and then transitioned, transitioned into law and then the economy crashed. So that was perfect and kind of went down a non-traditional legal path, which led me to the path of entrepreneurship entrepreneurship, which a lot of lawyers do. And so for me, I think the sum, summation of what I do is helping people actualize their purpose in their careers and in their personal lives. Nice. Awesome. So we'll just kick it off with a uh, first question here. So I'm hearing from some thought leaders that uh, finding diverse talent in tech, especially is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. In a previous uh, role I had where I was working with like data scientists and stuff like that, it was really interesting to see the lack of diverse even data scientists. And I think it's it's a systemic issue, right? So black and brown people aren't necessarily like encouraged <laughs> in, in their early schooling to pursue kind of STEM. And that's more, now, there's a bigger push now for that. But again, there's other populations that have had that uh, experience that kind of motivation and encouragement. So, you know, there's a there's a kind of a space for catch up for black and brown people. And so I think that whether it's the the lack of encouragement or not even necessarily knowing like education, knowing about the different roles and the different opportunities, because, yeah, there's so many different careers in STEM that are high paying jobs that they can do. And and it's an opportunity, but you just have to kind of get started and learn coding or learn whatever the skill sets needed to kind of pursue that. So it definitely is a lack. And uh, hopefully <laughs> with things changing in this world, especially with 2020, kind of just flipping everything on its head, I'm hoping that that changes in the next like five plus years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think attacking it from that side, from the approach of increasing supply is is definitely an angle that like I think makes a ton of sense, right? I know that that's one of the things that we do as part of our organization is go out into the community and do a lot more reach, uh, outreach and yeah. just like let people know, like we've got the, you know, the headset in the background, like things like that for people to think not only about um, the technology that they might be consuming, but this is how, you know, this gets on your phone, right? There's actually people that work yeah. on getting content created and being a creator versus a consumer of content. So hundred yeah. percent agree. We got, we got to get better at that. Um, what, what do you think about the push from um, from some organizations to remove the requirement for computer science degrees from many of these software engineering roles? Yeah, so I think there's definitely two sides to the argument, right? There are some people who are all about the, the kind of being traditional and you have to have the educational verification or like the educational substance of saying, okay, you can do X role because you've gone to school for it. But so many of us know who've gone to college, I mean, I have seven years of education, not one year, not one minute of it <laughs> got me prepared for the life that I live today or to be the human I am today. So to be honest, like as a person who has been a leader in my career in entrepreneurship, I'm more focused on, can the person do the job? Right. So if you can do the job, if you're self-taught, if you're self-trained, if you've done the work into understanding how to do the job, having the educational piece is just a barrier for entry. And especially for, you know, if we want to increase black and brown people into this industry, it's probably a lot easier for them to jump in if they could do stuff 
and be self-taught and, and learn more on their own without saying, oh, no, you can't do this because you don't have the educational requirements. But I can't understand the other side of the argument, but for someone who's really interested in having more people be able to have more experience and, and kind of get into the industry, removing that barrier would make it a lot easier for that, that group of people. Yeah, again, same thing on the supply side, right? I love that. Fantastic part about the answer is like, it doesn't necessarily, even if you have seven years, translate into the meaningful skills that you need to do the work that's sort of like your best work, right? So uh-huh. I think it makes a ton of sense as well. So what advice would you, um, or what about um, apprenticeship patterns? Do you, uh-huh. do you think the apprenticeship pattern could be applied to some of these technical roles? Absolutely. I think for people who don't even understand the different opportunities in that they could pursue in their career, giving them a pathway where they could work with someone and they could get mentorship, they can see what the work actually entails, and they could even provide insight. They can, you know, depending upon what their experience level has been with that space, they can say, oh, have you tried doing this? Or So I think it's a nice meeting of the minds of people in an industry versus introducing people like new folks into it and, and kind of understanding their creative take on things, and then also teaching them the fundamentals needed for this role. So I definitely think the more that we can bring people into an organization, into a space, teach them, show them what it's like, they are educated, they can help mold and and add more to the organization. It's not just a one-way thing, but it's a two-way kind of sharing of information and, and innovation. See, this is why I had you on the program, because brilliance. The part that, the part of your answer that I love the most, that it rarely comes up, and it's the part that people miss, I think, the most about the apprenticeship pattern, is working alongside the master, is that mentorship aspect of it, right? Yeah. And so you nail that right on the head. That's what their they're candidate is going to gain the most out of that experience, rather than it being like in a college class where it's like, one professor, 300 students, <laughs> you're getting a real, like, like, let me show you how we really do this. This is how it's done, right? Absolutely. And so love that aspect. What advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse uh, staff? So let's say they, they have some folks, they've done a great job reaching out and bringing people to lawyers. How do you keep them? So that is really kind of comes down to a couple of things. First, are you fostering an environment where they feel heard, where they feel seen? Do they have employee resource groups, ERGs? Do they have a pathway for success and and elevation in their career, right? Because it's not enough just to bring black and brown people into an organization and just be like, okay, cool, we've done our quota, we've done our thing. But like, what are you doing to foster and mentor and develop that talent? What are you doing to make them feel comfortable? What are you offering to them to make them feel like they have a home outside of their home because we spend the most amount of time in our work in our lives doing our work right so it is our home outside of our home and we want to make people feel heard and represented and feel appreciated also how are you celebrating your talent especially people of color because again usually we're one of <laughs> you know a hundred in a room and it's like that's awkward and if, if you yeah. can't understand that if you can't get past bias and can't understand the the kind of vulnerability that comes to being the only black person at the table then then you're not making that person feel comfortable. You're not making that person feel like they're a part of an organization, that they're just kind of this odd man out. And so they can go to somewhere else where they can feel more appreciated. They can feel more celebrated. So really fostering and nurturing an environment where they get resources, they get support, they have a pathway for elevation in their career, as well as the opportunity to innovate. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of innovation. So not only just hearing someone, but letting them, what are ideas you have? What are initiatives you'd like to do? Can you, do you want to bring in interns? Do you want to start a mentorship program? Like there's so many 
things you can do. And especially people of color, like we think about that because we're like, oh man, if only I had that, right? So giving them the, the runway to do that, I think makes them feel more comfortable and says, you know, this is, these are not just my coworkers, but this is my family outside of my own bio family. Yeah, 100% agree, right? It's that it's that idea of feeling like you're able to not have to leave yourself at the door, but you yeah. are really belonging inside of the organization and they fully support you 100%. I think that's awesome. Um, who is someone like yourself that you would like to acknowledge and you think is like a great leader or somebody that would be a good guest on a podcast like this? That's so interesting. Uh, you know, I would probably... I would probably be selfish and pinpoint my husband, who I also have a podcast with him. But I just think it's been interesting watching his career as an engineer, as a black man. It's been it's really been interesting. We're from New York originally. I'm born and raised in Manhattan. He's from Queens. We moved out here to Arizona over a year ago. And it's been interesting to see the the different kind of uh, pathway he's done as an electrical engineer and then also as, uh, you know, uh, testing engineer. And, you know, I don't necessarily know if he's always been supported in his career, but he's always found a way to to kind of get what he needs. And I think that, I think you guys, it would be a cool conversation for you two to talk and stuff like that. So I recommend Khalil Nurse. <laughs> nice. All right. We're going to have him on the radar. Hopefully we can get him. I think I know somebody that might have some influence on that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, that'd be fantastic. I'd love to hear more about his journey. So Perfect. Where can we find out more about um, either your company or what you're doing? This is a great time for any shameless plugs. Like I've heard you drop podcasts a couple of times, so yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so our podcast, Khalil Nurse, is called Woke and Free. And so we started it because we've been together. Woke? Wait, wait, wait. Woke uh -huh. and Free? Yeah, so Woke, W-O-K-E, and then the letter N, and then Free. So we came up with the name because we were kind of thinking about wanting to have a public conversation about kind of taboo topics. But when we were seeing people talk about cons like, you know, taboo things, it just seemed like one sided or it didn't seem like they fully kind of invested in doing some research with it. So we were like, to be woke means you have to like do your homework, right? Do get some research, put some content out there, not just your whatever's in your head, but then also free people, free people to, to feel comfortable in having taboo conversations, right? Talk about, you know, uh, homosexuality, trans uh, rights issues, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. Talk about what's, go what's going into our food. Talk about culturally what, what's been going on with Black and brown people in America. Like, feel free to broaden and talk about things because if we don't talk about things, we will never <laughs> heal <laughs> from the trauma that we all have in all communities, all people. To be human is to be traumatized. <laughs> and so we have to feel free to do that. So Woke and Free started around three, three years ago. And uh, it's just a kind of a beautiful creation of ours that is just, I think, very exciting and also like thought provoking and also just another example of, you know, hey, you know, Black love exists. Me and my husband have been together 16 years, uh, married seven years. And, you know, yes, we can we can be married and have completely different thoughts because once you talk to him, you'll see nothing like each other. <laughs> but I, we love that because it's like I'm super liberal and I have certain ideology about life and business and all things like that. And you know, he has his own perspective and come to the table. Let's have an educated conversation and be respectful of each other, but hear each other out, right? We have to hear each other out. We're so tribal in America right now more than ever. Right. And it's like, if you're on one side of a line, you refuse to hear another party. And if you can't hear, then you can't, you can't listen and you can't, you can't educate and take things in because 
you don't know everything and you never will. So, you know, we wanted to just emphasize that. So that's one thing I, I would encourage people to check out wokenfree.com. Nice. And we'll throw that in the show notes as well. It'll be super Thank easy you. for people to find. So that's, I think, much needed these days, these Thank conversations. You. So what, uh, what have you been snacking on lately? This is the last and most important question. Uh, what's your favorite snack? Yeah. So I love sugar, but I've been trying to be better. So recently uh, a good compromise has been like green grapes. I like can't get enough of them. So I've been snacking on grapes and raisins. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, grapes are like, grapes are one of those like nice, nice natural like yeah. snacks. So if you're going to do something healthy, I think grapes is great. And it also, you can get them like super chilled. Like, I like them super chilled and cold, right? Ooh, Real cold. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, grapes are good. That's what. What are you? What are you snacking on recently? Oh man, I'm all over the place. At any given time, uh, I could be doing something different. I guess one of my standbys is going to be uh, like absolute favorite of all time is probably like Twinkies. Oh, so good. Yes. Yeah. I was just choice. devastated when they weren't making them for a while. I was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> this is like a disaster. Then they brought them back. It's like, yeah, we're safe. That's awesome. They're back. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks, Natasha. I am really looking forward to potentially getting your husband on the program, but I really do appreciate your time, uh, especially today. I'm thankful today for having you on the program. Thanks Thank so, much. You so much. Yes. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The Tech Enabled Apprenticeship Program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 